Today's Father Day's message is entitled, Oh, what promises are yours in fruitfulness? Oh, what promises are yours in fruitfulness? Now, we started on James, the epistle of James last week, and we're going to continue this week and on until we finish it up. Uh, we just a short review in chapter one, verse one. That's what we where we started in James and ended in James. We said that James was a a bond servant, of course, of Lord Jesus Christ and of and of uh, God the Father. And we said he was talking to the twelve tribes who were dispersed abroad, and those twelve tribes were actually Jewish Christians mainly. And we said that James was the half-brother of Jesus Christ. Uh, we said it was written primarily to Jewish Christians. And the interest in James really was fruits and not roots. So you're not going to find in James much theology or doctrine about the incarnation or, or you know, anything, resurrection. You're not going to find all those things in James. Uh, but you will find how to walk out your Christian walk from the time you're saved. So that's what we want to emphasize. And the special challenge for the men today is to listen to what God is saying in his word and let's be ones that would take the challenge that I give at the end of the message. Let's look at the Gospel of John, chapter 15, Let's start in verse 4. Oh, what promises we have in fruitfulness. Abide in me, and I in you. As a branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. So if we want to bear fruit, we must abide in the vine, in Jesus Christ. Just as the word picture would be of a tree, let's say a tree rather than a grapevine, just say a tree, uh, the trunk, you don't find fruit on the trunk of a tree. Is that correct? The fruit is always on what part of the tree? The branches. So if we will put it in, because uh, most of us don't have vineyards, we have trees and things like that, and we've been to maybe some of the orchards and we've picked maybe fruit and things like that, then he's saying that you have to abide as a branch. We are branches. He's the trunk. We are the branches. If we abide in him, we will bear much fruit. Apart from him, we can do nothing. We won't be fruitful apart from him. And so we want to bear fruit, so all we have to do is stay connected to the trunk of the tree, and we're, we're okay. Let's go a little further because he's going to change some of his terminology here. It says, if anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away 
as a branch and dries up and they gather them and cast them into the fire and they are burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you. And that's important. Now he is saying that that now he's added something to it. Now we have to abide in the, in the trunk of the tree. The branch has to be in the trunk, hooked to the trunk of the tree. That's fine. We can't get broken off by a thunderstorm or lightning and take us off because that means that we're going to be separated from him. So he's saying that now you have to abide in me, but now let me add something to that. My words must abide in you. Now that's an additional thing. So we say, okay, God, you're saying that not only must I stay connected to the trunk, but now you're saying that your words, your words, your words must abide in me. Now, what does that abide mean? That abide means to, you know, is steadfastness, is is staying within, is not leaving, is not forsaken, is staying, is perseverance, is is you know one of those things that. Uh, you just don't let go. It's like white on rice. You just can't separate it. Can't separate it. Yeah. Then it says here that if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever, whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. And you, you, you think, so, well, well, how is that? How is that possible? Because, man, I can think of a lot of things to ask for. But see, if we are abiding in, the, in him and his words are abiding in us, that means that we are inseparable. That means that, that his words are part of us. We are part of him. So it's like that, that we think alike. We do things alike. Just like Jesus said to the Father, when you've seen me, you've seen him, Jesus said. And so... Therefore, you can, you can know that he'll say, well, ask whatever you will, because you can't possibly ask anything that's apart from his will. Do you understand what I'm saying? Let's go a little further. My Father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit. So prove to be my disciples. Just as the Father has loved me, he's adding something to it now, and I have loved you, abide in my love. Now, he's changing some terminology. Abide in my love. I thought we were supposed to abide in him. Now, he said abide in his love. Now, the scripture also said that God is love. Okay? God is love. So, he's saying that that, now when you abide in me, I'm I'm changing terminology, but it's not, not anything different. I want you to understand that you must abide in love. In love. Because... It's not just his love, he is love. So I want you to abide, abide in love. Then he says, just as my father has loved me, I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. How do we abide in his love? Keep his commandments. That's what he just said. Because we want to know, how do we, how do, how do you really abide? How do you really abide and not, not forsake, not, um, uh, lose sight of the vision, a lot, lose sight of the goal, not persevere? How do you stay there? He says, abide in my love. Okay. Now, if I abide in your love, what is the love? Keep my commandments. 
Well, what are, what are your commandments? I mean, this is, this is a big, thick book now, six, six books. Well, how do you, what do you mean keep your commandments? There's too many. Okay, now he's going to break it down a little bit further. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love just as I have kept my father's commandment and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be made full. You're going to need this verse when we get over to James. You're going to need this verse. He's saying, I'm speaking those things that I just spoke to you about abiding because I want my joy to be in you. I don't want the enemy to steal your joy. I don't want circumstances to steal your joy. I don't want people to steal your joy. I want my joy to be in you. And that your joy may be made full. I mean full. Nothing lacking. Full. Now he goes to, this is my commandment. That you love one another. Just as I have loved you. So he's leaving nothing vague here. You will abide in me if you abide in my love. I am love. I know, and you know that you abide in love if you keep my commandments. My commandments are, are simple. It's just one I want you to be concerned about. I want you to love people just as I have loved you. You remember the, one of the commandments uh, was that uh, love others as you, you love yourself. Well, then he changed it and said, a new commandment I've given you in John, that you love one another as I have loved you. Some people, uh, they will say, well, you know, I, I want them to do that to me. If I did what they did, they can do that to me. They don't understand that, uh, that Jesus doesn't treat us that way. The Father doesn't treat us that way. We can be naughty, we can be uh, really uh, missing the mark, and he still will forgive us. He doesn't give us what we deserve. If we got what we deserve, we wouldn't be sitting here now. We'll be crispy critters. <laughs> you know, really, you know. You know, call fire down on them, you know. Let's get another group of people. No, God loves us. Jesus is ever interceding on our behalf. He's just like uh, Moses was a type of Jesus. He interceded for the people. Jesus is interceding for us. God, you know, they're mad. You know, just look at me. Don't look at them. Look at me. So God sees us through the blood. You see? So I said, thank you, Jesus. But he's saying that if you're going to abide, if you're going to abide, if, you can, if you're going to ask whatever you will, fathers, do you hear what I'm saying? If you're going to ask whatever you will, what father in here does not want to go before God for his, his wife, for his family, for his, you know, and say, God, this is what I need right here, and God would do it. What father doesn't want God to show up when you pray? Well, he says that, fathers, all you have to do, and this is talking to all of us, really, is to abide in my love, and abide in my love is keep my commandments, keep my commandments is just one, Love others just as I have loved you. If you do that, you will abide in love. You will be abiding in me. Nothing can shake you. Nothing can shake you. Nothing. 
No thunderstorm, no hurricane, no, um, you know, wind, because you know that sometimes tornadoes come and they'll take up a whole tree, you know. Uh, but you're not going to take Jesus up. No, uh, he's, he's, he's the trunk of that tree. He's, he's rooted. He's rooted. He's not going anywhere. And he's saying if you, if you, and here's another one uh, that says in Matthew 7, 12, if you, in everything, he said, therefore, treat people the same way that you want to be treated. And that's another, just a, just, that's another way of saying, love others just as I have loved you. You'll never, ever, ever, ever be moved. You'll be abiding. And you can go before Father. And you say, well, I love people. Do you really? Do you love people just like Jesus loved people? Or do you love people because they do things that you want them to do? You know, they treat you the way you want them to treat, be treated. Or they haven't done anything wrong to you. Can you love people that, dis, that, that uh, you know, just call you names? Can you love people who, who uh, you know, they don't treat you the way you should be treated and the way you deserve to be treated? Do you love them? Do you love them when they do, you know, spiteful things against you? Do you love them when they take your possessions? Do they? Do you love them when they, you know, just just uh, uh, just do wicked things to you or to yours? Do you love them? You know. Do you love your mate when your mate is not doing what you want your mate to do, or what your mate says that uh, they want to do, what the Bible says your mate should do, and they don't do it? They do op- the opposite. Do you still love them? Because I tell you that I have, you have done opposite of what God has said somewhere in this Bible. He still loves you. He still died for you. Is that true? He says that greater love has no one than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. He said, you are my friends if you do, my, do what I command you. And what did he command us to do? Love others as he has loved us. So that means that we had to die for somebody else. We had to lay down our life. And that our life is like, you know, lay down your will, your emotions, lay down your desires. Can you lay that down for somebody who's mistreating you, who's, who's reviling you, who's, who's, who's really saying mean things to you? Can you do that? That's talking about love. He said, I'm telling you these things now. I'm telling you these things that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. See, because if we don't realize here when we get over to James, uh, when it says count it all joy, let's go to James. Then you're not going to have a clue of how to do that. I'm reading from the New American Standard. It says, consider all joy. Maybe the King James might say, count it all joy. My brethren. And when it says consider, it's talking about, it's not, it's not really joyful to you, but consider it to be joyful. Act like it's joyful. Think that it's joyful. Even though it's not joyful, think that it's joyful. Consider it joyful. Thank it. <laughs> When you encounter various trials, and these trials are talking about adversity. It's talking about affliction. You see, it's talking about things that's from the outside coming against you. It's coming against you to prove your faith or to try your faith. 
The devil wants these things to come and he wants you to fall because of these uh, trials or temptations. He wants you to fall. God doesn't want you to fall. He wants your faith to be purified so that it will come forth even more so like gold. That's what he wants. How can we do it? How can we consider our joy when, when, when all fire break out against you? How can you consider it all joy? How can you consider it all joy if you lose your job? How can you consider it all joy if you, you don't have much money? How can you consider it all joy when your mate is contrary to the word of God? How can you consider it all joy when your children are, are not doing what they're supposed to do towards God? They're even not obedient to you. They're rebellious against you. How can you consider it all joy when they're giving you, your boss is giving you, you know, really a hard time at work. Your employees, your co-workers are giving you a hard time at work. How can you consider it all joy when you, you know, just living the life? In this wicked world. And the world is wicked. That was the scripture says that. That we we are of God. And the whole world lies in wickedness. That's what the word word said. I think it's in maybe 1 John chapter 5, 19. Something like that. And in in one version say, you know, um, we are of God. And the whole world lies in the control of the the, uh, evil one. So the, the world is, 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 is in the control of, of, of evil one or in wickedness, so, but we are to be lights. And so if you are in, in a wicked world, obviously you're going to have wicked things done to you. Is that true? It's not going to be all hunky-dory. So therefore, he says, consider all joy. How can you consider all joy? Well, I read back in, in, in the Gospel of John that he says that he wants his joy to remain in us and he wants our joy to be full, but we're going to have to understand how to, how to abide, how to love. Can you love that co-worker now? Can you love that employer now? Can you love if you employer that employee now when they're stealing from you? <laughs> Can you love them? Can you wash their clothes? You know, they say, you know, hey, you know, I got to spill coffee on my Oh, that's okay. Let me take it to the cleaners for you. You know, can you do that? Well, that's what Jesus did, didn't he? I mean, I, that's what I, I read that he did. Judas was stealing from him, was he not? But he washed his feet, did he not? Did he not? He's one of the ones that washed his feet, you know? Hey. What would we do? And we had somebody stealing from us. And he stuck his foot out there. <laughs> yeah, we might wash it all right, you know? <laughs> That's how we can consider it all joy. Because his joy is in us. See, when we start being obedient to the commandment of love, oh my goodness, oh, 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 what promises come to a fruitful person. What joy it is in doing that. There's nothing that Jesus won't do. He'll move heaven and earth to answer your prayers. Because he knows that if you've done nothing wrong and suffering for, for it, he knows, because he says so in his word, that this is praiseworthy. Didn't he say that in First Peter chapter 2? It's praiseworthy for that to happen. You know? What praise is it if you do what's wrong and, and get disciplined for it? There's no praise in that. 
But it's praising if you do what's right and, and, and you get punished for that. Oh, what praiseworthy is that if you are fruitful in that and you can smile and say, well, you know, I'm going to submit this to God. He judges righteously. I don't have to, I don't have to deal with this. I don't have to get mad. I don't have to, you know, get bitter. I don't have to, you know, uh, just go off on you. That's okay, you know. Jesus didn't go off on me last week. Right? Yeah. Knowing that the testing of your faith, verse 3, produces endurance. Oh, come on, it's a quality of character that does not allow uh, one to surrender to the circumstances or succumb to the under trial. Uh, we're talking about uh, that if you can, if, if you know, if you know that you know that, hey, I know why this, I know why this verse is coming. I've already searched the, the scripture. I, I've already searched my heart. I'm praying before God. I've asked, I've, I've asked people that's close to me. If I've done anything, let me know. Let me know. And I, for the life of, I can't find anything that I've done. God hasn't revealed it to me. The people close to me haven't revealed it to me. So therefore, I'm going to consider all joy because I know that it's going to work. What is it going to produce? Endurance. What is endurance? Steadfastness. Steadfastness. It's another, it's just like abiding. Abiding. It's going to produce a steadfastness. I'm not, I'm, I'm immovable. Just like a, a rock. You know? And it says, let endurance, would you please, is saying in verse 4, let endurance have its perfect work. That perfect is like teleos, it's like, it's a finished product, it's like, you know, uh, in this verse, it's, it's being unspotted for the world, you gotta keep yourself unspotted for the world, a teleos thing is, is something that if you, like a, a glass maker, he, ma- he blows a glass, makes a glass, and when it's being used for the purpose of which, which they made it for, which is to drink water out of it, it's called teleos. In the Greek. That means it's finished and doing, it's doing exactly what it was made to do. And that's what God says that let endurance have its perfect result. Perfect result. And complete. That you may be perfect and complete. Now complete is, it means that you have everything that you, God has given us everything that we need for life and godliness and you put it all together, you are complete. You're lacking nothing. That's what complete means. But if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives to all generously and without reproach, and he will give it to him. Now, this is telling us, if you have, if you know, you're going through things that you really, like Job, you don't really understand why you're going through this thing, you know, just pray and ask God. God, you know, um, uh, I need wisdom on, on how to get through this thing. We're not going to be like Job and say, God, I need wisdom and understand why you're doing what you're doing. I don't understand this. I'm, I'm, I'm you know, blameless. You know, I've, I've done everything. I've given to the poor, man. I get my tithes, man. You know, I, I helped out, out when, when I, 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 I was about the last one left when, when they were doing the fellowship time over there at the Ruiton Club. God, look, I've been doing stuff, man, you know. Why are you letting this thing happen to me, you know? No, you don't do that. You just say, God, I need wisdom on how to get through this situation. You know, I have a, I have a, a contrary, you know, child here. I have a contrary mate here to your word, God. God, give me wisdom on how to get through this thing. I need wisdom, Lord. He'll give you wisdom. He'll give it to you. 
and he won't he won't get mad at you. Hey, you didn't come to me uh, last week, week before last. I've been asking you, you know, drawing you, trying to draw you. That you remember you were singing the, singing in the church uh, two Sundays ago. Draw me close, you know. I've been trying to draw you close. You haven't been coming. Now you come to me when you want something. God doesn't do that, does he? No, he's not going to do that. He's going to give you wisdom because you ask him. And he's not going to revile. He's not going to call your names. Ain't no such thing. You know, he's going to just love on you because he's so glad that you're coming. And not going to your friends asking for wisdom because they don't have wisdom. I'm serious. Unless they have the word of God. They don't have any wisdom. Okay. Let's go a little further. But if any of you likes wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously and without reproach. And he will be given to him, verse 6, but he must ask in faith, in trusting, without any, 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 any that says right there, doubting. None. None. No doubting. No doubting. What is doubting? You know. Doubt is the same as a double-minded person. Let's go a little further. For he who doubts is like the surf of a sea, driven to toss like the wind. For that that man ought not, or it can be that person because that's what it is, is that human being ought not to expect that he's going to receive anything from the Lord. Being a double-minded man or being, being a doubtful man, unstable in all his ways. Now, what does that mean, double-minded? Without any doubting. See, uh, a person who doubts, a person who is double-minded, uh, what a person does is that they, they'll quote Scripture. In other words, they want to do what God says to do. But they also want to be practical. They want to do what the, what the world says to do. And they oppose each other most of the time. Do you, do you understand what I'm saying? You know, like Asher gave a, gave, gave a testimony. You know, it says, uh, it's, you know, uh, God, I got this bill that need to be paid, and I know that I need to give to you through our church, and I, I need to uh, just be obedient to the Scripture of God, because it's all the way from Genesis to Revelation. I mean, you know, I'm supposed to, I'm supposed to tie it, God. Tell me. How am I going to do this? You also said, and people quote this all the time, I also said that, owe no man nothing but to love one another. So therefore, I can't owe this, this, this electric company anything, you know. So I know you don't want my name to be bad. So he's tossed. Right? An unstable, double-minded person is tossed. They know what the Word says. They want to do what the Word says. But they want to be practical. The world says do this, you know. Not that Ash is double-minded, because he did what he's supposed to do, you know. Uh, but now, uh, you know, we, we, we're like that. Man, hey, you better save up so that you have at least two or three months' worth of income, because you might lose your job. So you say, how am I going to do that? Okay, I'll stop giving to the poor. I'll stop. And, 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 and what are you doing? You're saying, I need to walk, but I'm going to cut my feet off. See, it's ridiculous, isn't it? It's ridiculous. But that's what we do. We'll say, well, okay, I, it's real, it's practical that I need to start saving because I might lose my job, you know? And so therefore, I got to stop giving somewhere. I can't 
stop eating because I got to eat about three or four or five meals a day. So it can't be the food budget going to cut, but so it's got to be the giving budget got to cut. So, uh, so therefore, I'm going to start cutting there. And you cut off the very thing that God has for provision for you in the hard times. Do you understand what I'm saying? You, that's a double-minded man. They got two ways they're trying to go at, and they can't go at the spiritual and the, and the practical and the natural too. So it's a double-minded man. Unstable in all their ways. Then in verse 9 and 10, kind of ties in and says, But a brother of humble circumstances to glory in his high position. Because in the church that they had uh, people, of, they had slaves, they had uh, free free. Men that used to be slaves, they had uh, uh, wealthy people, they had uh, poor, they had middle income, they had different, different types of people there. And, and so the humble person, he's sitting in church with this person who's rich, and he said, man, oh my goodness gracious, man, you know, I, I don't even deserve to be this way. I know he deserves to go to heaven. He deserves it, and I don't deserve it. And he said, no, 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 no. But the brother of humble circumstances is to glory in his high position. See, God is trying to tell us, let's go one, one further and then I'll, I'll explain it. And he says that the, and, and the rich man is to glory in his humiliation because like the flowering grass, he will pass away. For the sun rises and scorches and, and, and scorching wind and withers the grass and, and his flower falls off and his beauty of his appearance is destroyed. So too the rich man in the midst of his pursuits will fade away. Now, it, it tells us that because he's saying that at the cross, everything is level. When you come to the cross, there's either, neither rich nor poor that's going to have an advantage at the cross. So the poor man, when you come to God, you need to just be joyful about your high position that you now have because you are with Christ. Because you're in Christ. And everything that's Christ is, is yours because you are a joint heir. That's all that's God's. Isn't that what he says? And the rich person, don't you think that you, just because you have money, that you don't have to come the same way as the poor person come. You have to come the same way because just as the, the grass withers when the sun come out and scorches, the same way that your riches and what your pursuits gonna gonna do at the cross because you can't take it with you. You're gonna have to be uh you know humiliated here because you when I say humiliated you're gonna have to come and at your a low position at the cross because you can't depend upon any money to get any blessings. The blessings come with obedience. So that's why it's, it's there in that, in, that, in that spot there. Then it says in verse 12, Blessed is the man who perseveres. See, it's that perseveres again. That perseveres just like the word uh, endure. Perseveres on the trial. He says blessed. He says blessed. And when he's talking about blessing and what a blessed person is, a blessed person is satisfied fully no matter what the circumstances would be. That's a blessed person. A happy person is different. A happy person, and, and the word uh, happy, uh, the first three letters, hap, is, 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 is a word that means like lucky. You know? And you don't want to be happy. You want to be blessed. Okay? Because happiness can go and come 
on a daily basis, depending on your circumstances. A blessed person can be joyful in the midst of trials, afflictions. Because Jesus, he wasn't walking around bitter at his circumstances because he had to go to the cross. For the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. So we have to understand that that's what it's saying when you say blessed. Uh, blessed is the one who is in the world, yet independent of the world. That's a blessed person. A blessed person gets his satisfaction or her satisfaction from God and not from favorable circumstances. That's a blessed person. That's why Jesus could have joy in the midst of his circumstances because his joy wasn't coming from uh, whether he had a down across, whether he did not have a down across. His joy was coming from being in the presence of his father. The only thing, one of the things that really uh, upset Jesus was that he's going to have to be separated from the father for, for a period of time. Oh man, he, oh man, he don't want to be forsaken like that, man. He knows, he knows what it is not to be in the presence of God. Do you want to be blessed or do you want to be happy? I know some of you said both. <laughs> I know what you're thinking. Blessed is the man who perseveres on the trial. Can you persevere on the trial? And then it says that for once, for once he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life which the Lord has promised to those who love him. The crown of life. He's going to He's going to have eternal life. He's going to be living with the Father. And we're going to be casting our crowns at the feet of Jesus. But, you know, he says, I got a promise for you. Oh, I tell you, what, what joy is, what joy is in, in, in the promises that God has for us for being fruitful. Now, on this Father's Day, I want to challenge the fathers. I want to challenge the fathers that this first part of James... I want you to get it in your spirit because fathers are very important. Everyone is very important, of course, but this is Father's Day. Now, you understand this, is that correct? You know, on Mother's Day, talk, talk to the mothers. Father's Day, talk to the fathers. When we have Children's Day, I talk to the children. Okay, so this is Father's Day. So, uh, you know, you, fathers are very important because you stand, you stand in a place like Jesus, because Jesus is the everlasting Father. Is that right? Okay. Now, He is responsible for a lot of things. Yeah, right? And if you look at, look at it in, in, in the Old Testament, uh, Isaiah, you know, you'll see that, that, you know, He has, He has everything. He upholds everything by the word of His power. That's what it says. So a lot, Jesus carries a lot of weight, in other words. But he knows how to persevere on the trial. He knows that it's gonna, what it's going to lead to. We have to do the same thing as fathers. We have to learn how to persevere on the, on the trials, how to go before God and, and lift up holy hands, how to, how to get before God. And, and praise him in the midst of our circumstances, how to go get, get there before God and, and praise over our offerings, you know, pray over our offerings and submit our offerings to God. We need to, you know, um, confess the word of God. We need to 
uh, remind God or put pressure on the word of God, as long as we line up with that word of God, God, this is what you said. This is what you said. And that's what I did this morning. God, you said. If I give, if I give tithes and offerings that was to Israel uh, as, as a nation, but God, you know, this is a spiritual, we, I'm a part of a spiritual Israel, you know. So how much more so now because of the blood of Jesus? God, you said if I give tithes and offerings, you, you uh, will open up the heavens and part of blessing. I won't have room enough to receive. You said you rebuke the devour for my sake. But you said that uh, he won't devour the, the fruits of my ground. He won't devour, uh, well, the fruits of the vine won't fall to the ground before his time. God, you said, you see what I'm saying? You said if I'll give generously, I'll reap generously. You said I would have no need of aid or support. You said that you who give seed to the soil and bread to eating, you would multiply my seed. So on. you said that, God. God, my eyes upon you. I'm standing, I'm standing on you. And what you said. And so all of us have to do the same thing. But fathers, you are important because you are the one that's going before God on behalf of your family. You know, when, when Moses, and you just picture it now, Moses went to the tent of meetings, which was, which was away from the rest of the, 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 you know, the, the tent, and he went to the tent of meetings, and that's where God met him at, you know? And all Israel, they'd be standing at their tent watching as the glory fell on the tent. Moses went into the tent. And, and then you had the one he was uh, mentoring, you had Joshua, who, when, when Moses would come out of the tent, Joshua would stay in there. Trying to get some of the glory, you know. So, do you understand that that we have to, as men, go before God on behalf of our responsibilities, financial and whatever it is? We are very important. And this first part of James is telling us we shouldn't be the ones who have to be propped up by our wives, and and we'll complain and we'll not saying the word of God, and our wives are saying everything gonna be okay, sweetheart. You know, God will show up. You know. He said, he'll meet all our needs, you know. Man, she shouldn't be leading you. You should be leading her and the family. Fathers, do you hear what I'm saying? That's what you should be doing. And this is just tell. And he will give you practice in this stuff. He'll give you practice. He, he, he'll give you opportunities. He'll give you a little bit of trial. And this little bit of trial is meant for you to overcome so you have greater faith. Then he'll give you a bigger trial. And then a bigger trial. Then a bigger trial. After what? You always get trials. But they're going to be bigger and bigger and bigger. But you're going to be stronger, stronger, stronger. Do you understand? No one is going to get out of trials in this life. Jesus didn't get out of it. And we're not going to get out of it. But we can, we can have fruitfulness through it. Can we not? That's what God is, is telling us to do. And so, uh, uh, it's, 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 uh, it's hard. It's hard for, for a person to um, to think the way Jesus thinks, if you if you're gonna be a double-minded person, be halfway in the world system, halfway on God, you're gonna have to test out this thing and say, okay, God, I'm gonna test this thing out. I'm gonna stand on this word and see what is true, and you stand on it and see what is true. Every last one of you, God has already shown that He is with you. He is for you. Every last one of you. He, he's not, he's never forsaken not one person in this congregation. Not one. That's sitting here today. Hasn't forsaken you. He showed himself strong on your behalf. Somewhere along the line, he's shown you that he's, he will show up. Now, is that true? 
then he wants you to keep going. Keep going to a bigger test, bigger trial. And keep, keep your confessions going. Keep getting deeper and deeper in the Word. Because as you, as you get bigger tests, it takes, it takes more faith. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. You've got to get in the Word more. You've got to hear the Word more. And you've got to confess it more. And you've got to get stronger. See, the enemy keeps sending stronger and stronger and stronger demons at us, shooting, you know, uh, more arrows at us. And so our shield of faith has to quench more and more arrows. Men, you're responsible. You're responsible for going before God to do that. And I didn't say it was easy. It's not an easy thing to do, but it's not a burdensome thing to do either. Well, we have to practice. And we got to be for one another. We can't start uh, looking at each other and complaining about each other and say, Oh, boy, I'm, I'm stronger than he is, you know. And he, he's pitiful as a man, you know. No, you need to be uh, uh, picking these men up if you're stronger and help him get as strong as you are. As you're allowing somebody to help you get stronger than you are. We all need somebody to be around us to hold our arms up because we all are in a battle. Do you hear what I'm saying? That's what I'm talking about for men on this Father's Day. It's a challenge. Will you accept the challenge, men? Will you really start seeing that God wants you to succeed? He wants you to persevere during these trials. He wants you to be entire, complete, and wanting nothing. He wants your joy to be full. He wants you to abide. He wants you to come before him and ask for your family and get whatever you need. That's what he wants. But you've got to be a spiritual man. You can't be a carnal Christian. Let's stand. I had a carnation for all the mothers, you remember? Uh, and for the fathers, see, we're men. We don't need anything. <laughs> but what I do want to do is pray for all the fathers. I want to pray for all the fathers. Father, you know how weak we are, Lord. We're asking you, Lord, to strengthen us in our inner man by your Holy Spirit with might, Lord, that we may rise to the occasion to be men. Even the, the single men here, Father, they, they want to be married someday, and they need to be practicing getting strong, fighting, to be able to draw from the well of your promises those things that you have freely given to us, Lord. The teenagers, they need to be doing the same thing, practicing. If you're a male, you need to be practicing, going before God, learning how to get what God has freely given to you, how to stand and persevere during trials. God, we ask you to break down the pride that's in all of our hearts, Lord, that we don't want to get with other men, Lord. We don't want to be uh, helped, really. We don't want to let somebody know that we have weaknesses, Lord. We want, to, want them to know that, hey, we are tough, we are strong, we are, we are man. When, God, you know that we need help. 
Help me and help everybody else, Lord, and a man in here to get with other men, to be strengthened for the battle, Lord. We can, we can encourage one another. Father, if there's anyone here today, any male or any female here today that haven't given their life to you, anyone that hasn't given their life to you, Lord, Today is a day of salvation, and we would like to pray for you right where you stand. If you raise your hand, put it back down. We'll pray for you right where you are. Anybody like that, you need prayer for salvation. Is there anybody here that you say, you know, I, I, I have not been really in tune to these spiritual things. I've been like a carnal Christian, or I say I'm a Christian because I gave my life to Christ one time, but I haven't been walking to walk. I really haven't been even talking to talk, you know. This is up on Sunday in church. But I want today to be strong in the Lord, in the strength of his strength. I want to put on his armor so I can fight against all the wiles of the devil. If that's you, just raise your hand and put it back down. We'll pray for you right where you are. Okay, I see your hand. Anybody else? Is anyone here in the mail here that says, look, I need... Somebody around me to strengthen me. Would you raise your hand and put it back down? We'll pray for you right where you are because we'll pray that God will put people in your life. Is there nobody here like that? Okay. Let's go to prayer. Father, we praying, Father, for the men here. And we're praying for the one who raised their hand, Father, they want to return to you. They, they have been a kind of Christian, Lord. We pray, Lord, in the name of Jesus Christ, that this day is a day their carnality will fall off like shackles. This day, they become a strong warrior in the Lord. This day, they're going to put on the whole armor of God. This day, they're going to walk out of here a new man. This day, the enemy is going to tell them, Say, I see you look like Jesus, but can you fight like Jesus? This day, that man, he's going to get around someone else and going to learn how to use the armor, use the weaponry, use the helmet, use the shield, use the sword. He's going to be able to use it, Lord, properly. And the enemy can't get into him while he's learning because his mentor, his helper, his aid, his armor barrel, his shield barrel is going to be taking the dots for him until he gets strong enough. Oh, and when he's released, they say, you're now ready. Oh, look out. Look out because the devil, instead of fighting one, he's going to have to fight two. Two can send 10,000 of flight. So we thank you for that, Lord. Thank you for this day, Lord, that you are our Father, and we can draw from Father's Day learning what a father should be like by looking to you. Our Heavenly Father, the Everlasting Father, how did Jesus treat someone else? How did he talk? How did he walk? How did he treat other uh, people that are around him? How did he treat little children? How did he treat... Uh, women? How did he treat his disciples? How did he treat people? 
How did he treat the woman who was caught in a very act of adultery? How did he treat people? We're going to learn, Lord, how to be a man of steel, but also a man of velvet this day. So we say, thank you, Father. We say happy Father's Day to our Heavenly Father, first of all, and then happy Father's Day to every father whose name is named because of the Father in heaven. So happy Father's Day to the fathers in the natural. Have a good day.